welcome to KeeperCast, the Keeper of the Lost Cities podcast. I'm Sammy. And I'm Tegan. And this is episode 26, brought to you by Mr. Snuggles. Oh, we love that little sparkly dinosaur. Love him so much. And Keefy did too. Or Keef, I should say. I always mess that up. Well, I don't know. I've heard it both ways, Keefy and Keef. So. He ran around like brand new Simba with it. Um... Before we begin, we have a couple of messages to read through. So these are both from Instagram. And the first one we got is from IDK, but I love books on Instagram. And it reads, I love your podcast so much. It's getting me through the days when I'm bored. And I'm so glad someone finally made a podcast on my favorite book series. So thank you. We love getting messages like that. And it's really great to see that people like it because. I, I don't know. We like making it, so yay. It's really fun, like, on our end, too. It's not necessarily like, helping with boredom, but it really helps, like, keep contact while all of us are quarantined. Yeah, definitely. All right, our second message is from KeeperFan123, and it reads, okay, this is a theory. So it reads, all right, I came up with a theory that Anna and Elsa from Frozen are elves. Anna's a conjurer, who's Edeline, and Kristoff is Grady, and Elsa, who is a froster, is Juline. Also, I really love your podcast. You know, that would be a really fun AU idea, like a Frozen Coddock crossover. Oh, I can imagine the fanfics being written now. Yeah, because, <laughs> like, it's true, like, Elsa and Juline pretty much have the exact same power, so, like... The creator of Frozen is secretly a keeper. They're in the corner of, like, the studio writing it, like, oh, the Keeper family's gonna love this. <laughs> yeah, no, hot take. Frozen is actually Keeper fan fiction. The most successful Disney movie. It's on our side, guys. We won. Also, thank you for listening. I don't think we, like, properly thanked them. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. And, yeah, if you want to send us messages, um, you can get to us at the KeeperCast on Instagram or KeeperCast on Tumblr. So yeah, shall we get started with the episode? So this week we read chapters 31 through 40 of Never Seen. It starts with, um, with Fitz sort of post-impalement. He's like recovering in, um, he's recovering in the Black Swan's sort of version of the healing center. Is this the first time we meet Physic? I think this is the longest we've like talked with Physic. I think bopped in and out every now and then for like really small never seen meetings, but like this is the longest we talk with Physic. So yeah, that's really cool. Um I <laughs> I like Physic a lot. Um Yeah, I don't really know what else to say about her honestly. Um but I think she's a cool character. I love her interaction with Dex and like when they're like, you can go to Slurps and Burps and we can go together. She's like, I don't know. You're new to this whole (laughs) spy thing. I don't think that'd probably be a good idea. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. Like, could you imagine like if she actually brought him with me like, you're part of the never scene, but not really. And like people just see him walk into Slurps and Burps like, you really don't think that would get you caught? (laughs) (laughs) yeah well the keepers are not great at the most thought out plans let's just say that (laughs) 
I just think it's this group. Remember, Dex is the only one with the brain cell. Everyone else is just wildly running around hoping that whatever they say sticks. True. <laughs> and even now, in this scene, Dex doesn't really have the brain cell even. It went out the window. Yeah, it's just It's like, on hiatus. Mm-hmm. Taking a break, break. Chilling. I think it's tired from being used all the time. It's on paid sick leave. Yeah, speaking of Dex, though, it was, um, it was interesting in, in this section because um, last week we were sort of talking about how, how Dex and how um, Dex's, like, technology cubes exploding things ended up sort of inadvertently um, causing Fitz's injury, which kind of paralleled the circlet and how, like, his... Um, and how his invention essentially caused one of his friends a lot of pain. And we were wondering if that was going to be addressed. And it was addressed here, um, right at the beginning, where Dex is having, like, a full-on crisis. And he's like, oh my god, I killed Wonder Boy. I also think it's interesting, like, with that, because that does, it's happened twice now. And I don't think we've met another technopath besides him in the series. And And seeing that, how, like... He's because you have Sophie and Fitz who are together, like both telepaths, and then you have Keith and Orlai who are both empaths, and Della and Biana who are both vanishers. You see people with the same abilities, and they kind of connect over that and show each other how to like be those types of people and the correct ways of doing that. Dex doesn't have that, so I it kind of makes sense that. He's stumbling a lot more than everyone else. He doesn't have that guiding light in person in the group yet. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. And while you were, like, listing those names, it made me think, also, it's not just that, like, that there are multiple characters of each, um, of each ability, but it tends to be, like, an adult and a child. So there, there always seems to be that kind of, like, mentor... Like most of the most of the kids have that kind of mentoring guidance, like you said, but Dex doesn't really have that at this point. Like, if you think about it, probably for Sophie it's probably Forkle. He's probably the biggest one, but he she also has Tydrin. And mm-hmm. Fitz has, and Alden as well. Yep, and Alden with Fitz. Fitz looks up to his dad a lot. And they're both telepaths. Della and Biana. And Keith and Orlai, probably. And, yeah. And Dex just doesn't really have that person. Maybe he'll get one, but it makes sense why he's, like, stumbling so much with his ability. Also, just, like, I know we haven't we haven't met the Song Twins yet in Never Seen, in where we are, but um, thinking about them, like, Tam eventually has Lady Zilla as kind of a mentor, but I think Lynn is the only hydrokinetic we know of, right? And she's kind of the same way for, at least in the beginning, she has, she stumbles a lot more with her ability. She has more trouble controlling it. It's almost like the adult kind of lays the land for them to begin with, so they tend to stay on the path better. But if you don't have that, of course, you're probably going to be like, I don't know if this is right or wrong. No one's telling me any differently. We see fits and... Dex become friends, quote-unquote, unquote. Yeah, um, so, yeah, we see Dex kind of, 
apologizes to Fitz when he wakes up and they start like kind of getting over their I don't know what you'd call it like how they didn't really like each other before animosity probably yeah yeah so at this time I like I see it more now that I've read farther in the series but Fitz likes Sophie but I don't think we see it because we see it through her point of view and I think that both the boys like her and see that they both like each other and that's where it comes from but we see the point of view through Sophie, so a lot of Fitz's is downplayed. And I think they kind of got over each other at that point. They're like, we can't keep doing this over a girl. Right, yeah. Like, there's this, throughout Never Seen, there's this idea of kind of like, that Never Seen is the book that's a turning point, And I think that that has to do with like, with the character development as well, in that they're kind of, they're all kind of letting go of like, whatever petty issues they had in the first three books and they're like okay wait there's this bigger issue there's the never seen that we have to focus on and just get over our differences yeah it's almost kind of like they're they're taking a step forward in their maturity and realizing how much bigger this whole thing is yeah I just always think I always liked never seen because it finally felt like we weren't staring at a bunch of super super young kids running off the rails every second that they got (laughs) they finally had some cohesency yeah I can definitely get that that sense too with like in never seen they finally kind of got it together for the most part whereas you know in in Everblaze they were like you know running around reading the Ogre King's mind at a whim and (laughs) the impulse controls just wasn't there (laughs) (laughs) they did not have the brain cell I think they're all starting to, like, grow one after they say, like, oh, Fitz almost just died. Maybe we shouldn't just, maybe we should consult someone with, before we do something stupid. Mm-hmm. It's, like, nothing like a little near-death experience to be, like, to bring people together. Really knits the group together. I think it's gonna be interesting, like, side note about, like, the whole thing of, like, what they're going through right now and what they're going through in the books, because eventually they're going to be adults themselves and hopefully high functioning members of society but how this is going to like affect them later on because they know too much to be just like an average joe on the street they know too much (laughs) right yeah that's true they can't really like just lead normal lives after all of this um they're gonna have to probably be in some end up in some sort of like some sort of position either like helping the council or something like that but you're right they they've been too like closely involved in everything to just like for things to just go back to normal yeah I don't think they even realize it yet that by choosing to help Sophie which is wonderful we love the group but by choosing to help Sophie, they're kind of throwing away their chance at, like, a completely normal existence. They're literally in a spy organization. Right, which is, like, currently still legal. We love our little misfit criminals. Something else that also happens around this time period while Fitz is recuperating is we learn, um, we learn the first one of... Mr. Forkel's other identities, which is Sir Aston. Sophie's third, second year university teacher? Second or third? 
I want to, I want to say it was second year. It, third was Della. He was Della's third year, and then Sophie's second. Right. Oh, so yeah, so that means he's been around for a while, actually. I wonder how old Forkle is, because he says that he inspires the myth of Loki, which would have been like Viking times. Right. So that's like thousands of years old at least. Are his ears pointed? I don't think they are, but if they aren't, how old is Bronte? (laughs) Wait, that's true. Well, because we know that the elves were around since, like, at least the human Stone Age, so that's... I don't know when the Stone Age was exactly, but that's a long time. Although it's... Although Mr. Forkle could potentially be, like, disguising the pointed ears. I don't know if the Ruckleberries would do that or something, but I don't think he's ever been described as, like, having them. And, like, I don't think he's described in any of the books to have him, so that'd be a really good persona in the fact of, like, if he's able to keep that up for so long. That does beg a question. How old do you have to be to get pointed ears? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, if Mr. Forkle doesn't have pointed ears, you've got to be really old to have them. All I can think about is Bronte yelling, Get off my lawn! (laughs) He's just that old. (laughs) He would. He would. He's like the 95-year-old man who takes nine years going up the stairs. <laughs> yeah. Cinematic parallels. Young and vibrant, though. One other thing that I noticed during, like, the Sir Aston reveal thing was that Keith did ask. Like, he was like, wait, how did you live as Sir Aston and Mr. Forkle at once? And then, in response, Mr. Forkle was like, oh, that's a secret I'm not willing to share. And I was like, oh, I guess that's a bit of setup for the whole twin thing that I just totally didn't see the first time over because I wasn't, because I didn't know about the twin thing at the time. That's interesting how far in advance Shannon, like, placed that little nugget. She must have been thinking about that for a long time, from, like, the beginning of the series. Yeah, no, she, she said she had... Um, the Forkle twins planned for seven years. So that, and that was at the time of Nightfall. So that means she had it planned since like before book one came out. It's so interesting to hear like authors discuss the specific points of the books that they've had since the beginning. Because there's so many things that they've thought of that we might not even get to know yet. I mean, we're eight and a half books in, and I'm pretty sure, like, Shannon Messenger already knows more or less how the story's gonna end, and, like, what's, you know, what the big final battle at the last book is going to be, and we just have no idea, but, like, it's already out there in somebody's head thought of, and that's, like, weird for me to think about. And that might be two or three or four books away. We don't, we don't know. And she knows. Ugh. Our overlord, Shannon Messenger. I also liked in this chapter versus, like, the couple before it, like, this chapter set, that you see a lot more of, like, the kids acting their age. Like, they're they're not suddenly, like, feeling like they're way older than they are. They feel like 13, 14, 15, and 16-year-olds. Like, the Mr. Snuggle section, where Keith finds... And he goes full Simba with it. Yep. <laughs> it's like... It's it's moments like those that are just, like, that are really great where they have, like, I mean, since Fitz is still, like, healing, 
they're not directly like planning on some sort of fight with the never seen they get a chance to take a breath and like just be themselves for a little bit i think it also it helps the story because it it kind of riches the characters it makes them more realistic and three-dimensional than just like kids who are gonna fight the never seen they have their funny moments they have best friends they have they tease each other right yeah like it's important to to have those moments that are just you know to show you who they are as like as people and you can't just have them always be under so much like stress and having to and you know having their lives in danger every single second of the book yeah it also gives you a breath because you sit there and you're like is Fitz gonna die is our wonder boy dying (laughs) by a bug (laughs) what a way to go out banish yourself and then (laughs) get killed by a bug (laughs) vacker's out oh man i don't know there was this meme um, that was made by, I think it was made by Memes of the Lost Cities on Instagram, so shout out to them, but um, but it was like, who will win? One brave, smart telepath versus one stabby boy. <laughs> stabby boy won. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, obviously this didn't happen, obviously, but if, like, Fitz had died and Bianca like later had kids. He's like, what was Uncle Fitz like? Got killed by a bug. <laughs> I can still hear his voice. Oh man. That would be so sad though if they killed Fitz. That would be like it would just make your head turn so quick. You'd get whiplash, you'd be like, that was a that accelerated quickly. <laughs> One bug equals fatality. Yeah. Getting killed by a bug, not a great way to go. What are you talking about? That would be the most Gen Z way to die. Okay, you know, yeah, that's valid. (laughs) That would be the most Gen Z way to die. Fight, like, basically do middle fingers to the council, get stabbed by a bug, and banish yourself all in the span of one day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. What have you done before 16? Um, broken numerous laws, died by a giant stabby boy... Uh, met a person who's making history and got exposed by a sparkly dinosaur. What have you done? Tailing off the age, we find out that Sophie is 39 weeks older than she was before. Dun dun. Yeah, because the elves count age differently. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, that puts her like a lot. I think she mentions it's like, like that puts her closer to Keep and Fitz than she thought she was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that piece of information, like, because Sophie always saw Fitz as, like, out of her league because he was older, you know? It feels like that kind of got rid of that, and it almost helps her with her feelings. Yeah, I think it it makes her feel like, or at least what I got from it was that it made her feel, like, more a part of that group, uh, like, that older group of kids, like, with Keith and Fitz, um, or at least, like, more in the middle rather than firmly in the group of, like, Dex and Bianca. I don't, I think it only, it would only bring her closer to them in age, because she still considers herself at the age that she was before, almost mentally. This chick, 
like got older by nine months in a day. Right. So, you know, all that happened, confronted a stabby boy, um, got exiled from the Lost Cities and aged nine months. All in the span of one day. Woo! <laughs> Productive day for her. She checked off like nine things on her list. <laughs> also, we got, she was looking for, I can't go an episode when I'm the host without talking about my boy, Sander. Love she's Sander. Like, looking for him today. And she's like, is he there? And I was like, no, he ain't, but I miss him too. We all miss Sander. Sorry. I just always have to be like, dip. Every now and then, give a little appreciation to the man, the myth, the best bodyguard we got. No, Sander's great. I love, yeah, I love whenever he's there. I feel like he's always, like, the really condescending uncle you have. You're like, really? You're gonna do that? (laughs) Yeah. Really? Okay. (laughs) It's like, are you sure you want to do that? Hmm. Do you watch John Mulaney? He's a comedian. Um, I've watched, like, some bits, yeah. He's like, in one of his bits, he's like... Oh, um, when they ask you what you're doing, it usually means stop. (laughs) That's Sander. What are you doing? Stop it. (laughs) Yes, that's Sander. The meme, the absolute essence of Sander. Stop that. There's a part of this section where they go and, I believe they go trade Gethin to the council in exchange for Prentice. However, Prentice is not the same. Pretty much they, I think, Sophie's, like, there's pretty much nothing in his head anymore. Like, before, when there were all those, like, fractured memories and stuff that we saw in Exile, now it's, his mind is just completely silent, and they're like, oh, man, I bet Alina did something. What is a beguiler? I was so confused. I don't remember what what they are. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that was explained in this book. They... Alina's power is that she can, like, co- she can, like, convince people to do anything. So she has, like, the power of persuasion. Is it, like, a mesmer? It's, yeah, it's kind of like a mesmer. I think they're, like, they're, like, functionally the same. I think there are slight differences. I I think probably, like, if you can convince someone to do something, because, like, when Grady would use his mesmer ability, they would know that they had been mesmered, maybe a beguiler you don't know that you were. Yeah, I think that's the difference. So, like, yeah, like a beguiler, you'd actually um, be convinced that you wanted to do the thing, whereas, like, if you're a mesmer, you're just kind of being moved like a puppet. Wouldn't there be the same amount of restrictions on that as there is a mesmer? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think they said in this section, like, if... If there hadn't been those restrictions on Alina's ability, like, she would have married Alden. Um, oh, yeah, they were together. I forget so, that. So, yeah. Right. Could you imagine them dating Alden and Alina? <laughs> yeah, not really. No, Alden and Della are good together. They're a good couple. I love Della. Can she be my mom? <laughs> love her. She's like the supportive mom at soccer games. She's just happy you're playing. She's the mom who always brings orange slices. We also see a lot more of her this book than we do beforehand. Like, we saw her only in times of crisis. Now we, like, kind of see her more as, like, a person instead of just a parental figure. Yeah, especially because, like, 
in Never Seen, she kind of joins the group. Like, she's with them on a lot of their missions and stuff, so we just get to see more of her that way. I'm not complaining. I, I really love the way that she added to the group. Besides Della edition, we saw more folk. Forkle. Sorry, can't speak either today. You see more of him in the fact that he starts to explain things more. Like, this is more of him opening up. And I think it's because, um, like, since the, since the kids have actually officially joined the Black Swan and they're just doing, like, they're just interacting with the Black Swan a lot more, we get more of Forkle. We get fewer things, like, we get more mysteries kind of resolved and explained. And that's good, because finally, after, like, three books of not knowing what's going on, we're finally getting some answers. You would just, like, moonwalk into the room, drop (laughs) some life-shattering information, and just moonwalk back out. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Pretty much. That's all he did. That, That reminded me, there's just this, there's this part in this section where, like, he just says something that, like, totally surprised me but it's treated like nothing (laughs) where they're they're talking about sophie's genetic parents how like she she thinks that he's her father for like it was sophie thinks that mr forkle's her father for like a little bit because he signed her um her like exilium registration and he's like no no it wasn't me um but he says he says to Sophie, should you finally settle on the correct answer about your genetic parents, you will trigger a chain reaction that could topple our world. <laughs> that seems significant. He moonwalked into that room, dropped information, screamed your mine at her after a period of time, and then moonwalked out. Yes. Like, I don't know. You will trigger a chain reaction that could topple our world. Seems like something that would lead to further questions, not just him, like, moonwalking back out of the room. Who's- I'm so interested in who her dad is, because we figure out who her mom is, and that's obviously a huge shock, but it's not something that's, like, world-toppling. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess the main, uh, thing about finding out it was Orly would be, like, she might have to give up her seat on the council or something like that, but- I can't imagine that it would have such a huge implication that it would like be considered toppling the world. So now, yeah, I want to know who her dad is. Hashtag let us know. We want to know. Because, like, he also screams your mind at her. <laughs> yeah. That, w- that took me back for a second. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was all weird. That whole conversation spiraled, and then, like, you walk in with one question, and you leave with, like, 60. Like, rewind, you aren't just gonna say what you just said. We aren't just gonna speed right past this. Yeah, like, that that scene with the Exilium registration and stuff, just, like, I don't know. We got a lot of information there, and also a lot of questions. Like, we got the whole genetic parents thing. We got the whole Mr. Forkle was Loki thing. Um, <laughs> Sophie is nine months older than she thinks she is. Like, these are all pieces of information, but like, <laughs> at the same time, I need to know more. So much of it, like, didn't get answered. We got like 50% of the information, 
and like the other like the 150 percent we got was not the important pieces oh <laughs> uh, what is that i want to know everything that forkle knows because he just knows so much right like well i do wonder like exactly how much he knows because like at this point he does seem like he knows everything but I don't know, maybe the stuff he's not saying, like, maybe maybe some of it he actually doesn't know, who knows? He's bluffing. <laughs> Batman is flying by the seat of his pants. Can you imagine if your job was, like, because, like, his job is to, like, run the Black Swan, but he has to spend 90% of his time babysitting a group of kids <laughs> with a god complex. <laughs> oh. Forkman just Poor needs, Fork like, Man. a break. Him and his twin needs a break. <laughs> Batman is... Wait. With his twin, if... Because he gets a scar on... Or does... If he gets hurt, does... Do they have to, like, hurt the other person the same way so they look the same? Oh, wait. Oh, that's a good point. I don't... Can you imagine if Fork Man It would kind of suck if they had to. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of them is <laughs> the other one. <laughs> so Oh, it's too bad one of the Forkmen is dead now because I really want to see that happen, actually. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just thought of that thought. It's just making me laugh. Just fist fighting each other <laughs> to make it look like they're the same person, like just clocking each other. <laughs> well, okay, now I'm imagining, like, I don't know, like, like y- the young Mr. Forkles. I don't know, if they got in an argument or something, one of them would just drastically change their appearance to, like, piss off the other one. <laughs> can you imagine if they like because boys will fight like can you imagine if they like got in like a fight and one punches the other one well like now i gotta punch you <laughs> one of us is coming out with a black eye the other one's gotta have it oh fist fight for cool oh i love doing this podcast because sometimes i'll just think of things like that and it just makes my day all right so all the exilium stuff actually happened at like the end of the section so let's start moving backwards to change things up i guess um yeah uh so there was a bit right before that with um where wiley and Tyrion show up and wiley actually has a conversation with sophie which i totally forgot about (laughs) it's not you killed my dad so um yeah wiley gets to say some lines (laughs) um so, yeah, that's exciting. It's exciting whenever Wiley speaks or has any sort of personality whatsoever. And then we also got to see Leto, who's always an ally. We love that gelled hair man. <laughs> yeah, um, which is, like, weird to think about now because he is Mr. Forkle, but, like, they don't know it's him yet. Oh, my God, I forgot. <laughs> Wait, so both Forkmen were in the room. <gasps> Wait. Wait, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> Wait, that's more twin foreshadowing. Oh, I totally missed that too. X-Files theme, play now. <laughs> both Forkmen were in the same room and no one knew. Can you imagine if they were just looking at each other like that one meme where they're just like... Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm imagining like, I don't know, the Spider-Man meme, but... <laughs> Oh my god, where they're both pointing at each other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Lido today, you're Lido tomorrow. <laughs> Wait, 
I can't believe nobody caught that because like I was I mean I was like kind of active in the fandom before the whole twin switcheroo thing happened in Nightfall and literally nobody picked up on the fact that or at least I didn't see anything that picked up on the fact that both Forkles were in the same room at once. Nobody was like, mm, isn't that kind of weird? So, that is new. Wow. I'm, is that the only time they're in the same room together? To our knowledge yet? I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to have to go back and, like, look. Because I don't think it happened in Everblaze. Because Mr. Forkle, like, didn't really show up physically in Everblaze um, or earlier. But... If it happened elsewhere, I'd never seen. That's so interesting. That makes me want to, like, reread and look through stuff, like, if they were in the same room again. All right. Major revelations on KeeperCast today. Dang, we're just... That's just... Wow. With that bombshell, we're just here X-filing it up. Welcome to Conspiracies. Yeah, I do... I do want to know, like throughout the series which Forkle was doing what at what time like to see if I could piece together like if the yeah like timeline wise or if the Forkles have like slightly different personalities or something based on what each Forkle was doing but I don't know if that's I don't know if we have enough information to do that yet like experiences build people what happens to you builds people like the uh, trauma of something can always change someone. You might be afraid of water because this happened to you or that because of this. I wonder if, like, you have to, like, if the one has a fear, the other one has to kind of adopt the fear. Or maybe if the... F- yeah, I wonder, like, if one of them had a fear but the other one would share... Because I know they, they share memories, right? So would would sharing the memory, would, like, experiencing that make the other twin also truly afraid of that thing or would they have to just sort of pretend i feel like it would if like you're reliving the same experience like reliving the memory i would feel so sad for the like the forkle who like experienced that and has to share that because you would know it would cause the fear in the other one and like it's your brother you don't want that for them there's so many things in like the twin area that we just don't know it makes it so much more interesting why was Tiger in there? Oh yeah, he was really close to the princess. I forgot to I was like, why was he there again? Oh yeah. Yeah, I think um he and he and Wiley were hoping that like Prentice would wake up if he heard their voices because they were so close to him. Smart idea though, like like the whole thing of what Sophie did, like putting warmth in Alvin's mind and all these things. Like it, it's a very good idea to start with. Yeah, it also it also makes sense because um. I think Prentice, when they were looking for Prentice in exile, he responded to when Sophie said transmitted Wiley into his head. So it makes sense that, like, maybe he'd respond to Wiley being there as well. What's Wiley's ability? He's a flasher. He's a flasher. So, yeah, he can do light stuff. I hope that works. I would be, it'd be such an interesting conversation to see Sophie and Prentice, like, talk. Yes, I want that so badly because, like, I mean, one, Prentice is, like, the person who sacrificed, you know, who sacrificed his mind and everything to protect this information about Sophie, and 
he also ha- must have like so many of the answers to yeah to who she is and like to what her purpose is and what just everything about project moonlark and i don't know i just i really prentice has been awake for a long time now at this point like for a solid two books and i'm just still waiting for him to actually sit down with sophie and for them to like talk things out and also when he when his mind broke she was young young like for him to like wake and for her to be like grown for him to see how she's grown up because to sacrifice yourself he's got to view her as close to almost wily in his mind like as in like his child prentice is the father dun 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 and yeah and wily as well like I know after Prentice woke up, like, he started living with Wiley again, and they've been building their relationship again, but we haven't gotten to see much of it on the page, and I'd really like to see, like, a scene somewhere where, you know, where they're, where Prentice is kind of, like, trying to come to terms with the fact that his son is now all grown up, and he's an adult, like, in the elite levels, and, you know, Wiley in turn trying to, like, figure out what to do now that his dad is back in his life. I think there's a lot of just really good character moments that could happen there. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing of, like, because Wiley's older and Prentice is finally awake, who... Because his, when his mind broke, I would like to see him interacting with the pers- the people that did it, be like, hey, I'm back. Yes. Yeah, I... Wow, now, I just want scenes with Prentice and, like, everybody. Like... Yeah, I'd like to see Alden and Prentice like confront each other face to face and like cuz you know Alden in exile he broke thinking about what he did to Prentice. So like to have to face that in real life would be really interesting to see. He's just like Prentice was the first really big unknown character that we got. So just to, like, get more clarity on him would just be so much, so interesting. Still moving backward, um, we went, in, we went into some stuff about, about the plague. So it's, it's spreading, and, um, and pretty much the council is, like, it appears that the council knows that the ogres might be behind the plague, but they're not telling anybody and they're not telling the gnomes and um so that i not remembered what's the word that stood out to me um because sophie's all like sophie's really confused at that and she's like but why wouldn't they tell people like what's behind the thing that's killing them um and it just reminded me like so much of how obsessed the council is with their appearances and just like keeping up the guise of a perfect world and stuff like that one of the weird parallels that that level of control brought to me was like almost like well in dictator countries they control media they control the information given to the citizens to keep power i wonder if that's kind of also how they operate 
Because they tend to deny, deny, deny until it's, like, revealed to the world. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely feels like there's definitely a parallel between, like, I don't, yeah, I don't know how the media works specifically in Coddled. Like, I don't know if they have newspapers or, like, radio or whatever the equivalent of that would be. But it doesn't seem like a stretch to think that the council would have a very tight control over all of that as well. How does information spread through the lost cities? Because everyone seems to know everything whenever you go somewhere, but they never explain how they know it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Coming to you live from the scene of the accident. They just have like a, they have like a news station. Yeah, I assume they must have some kind of news yeah news station or news thing but i don't think we've ever seen it like directly who's the anderson cooper of the lost cities we need to know another thing that happens here is that um another thing that happens is that keith has still been taking those the fathom leaths to um to bring back some of his memories and we get and uh Sophie goes into his mind in this section and we get a lot of flashbacks and those flashbacks made me feel some emotions. I'm so sad for Keith. It was so sad. Like I just I mean, okay. Like we already know his parents are terrible. But like just seeing that and like that part where they just like abandoned him in Atlantis until late at night and then showed up and they were like, Sorry, we forgot you. Like that's just terrible. And it's also kind of, again, with the whole turning point in the books, you, it's kind of the turning point in your character understanding of him. And the fact that we see with Fitz and Bianca how their dad affected them and, like, their dad's mind break. And we see a lot of, like, we're told of what happens with Lord Cassius and his mom. But just, like, seeing the memories, it just makes you understand a lot more of what Keith is going through with his parents. Oh, my boy Keith. No one deserves to have parents like that. Why did they even have kid a kid? Like it doesn't seem that they appearances. Let's move Keith into the ruined household. Give him a room. He needs to live at Havenfield. Eh, Grady would probably kill him though by like the first week. That boy. Mm. I love Keith. I'm just so sad that, like, because, like, it was nice to see that, only in the fact that it made you understand so much more. But you still don't want that to happen to them. We also see that Keith is a, an amazing artist. Yes, yeah. That's, like, I don't know, that's a nice piece of, like, Keith's character that I just like how they threw that in. Because, like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, he has a photographic memory, and it makes sense that that would translate into drawing and it's like a nice detail it it fleshes the characters out it makes them seem more real right like it's like when the characters when they have like little quirks or you know or talents that they have themselves like keeps drawing or like the other one that comes to mind is like sophie's eyelashes like just little things like that dex can change his eye color Bianca's is really good at dress up which is a talent in itself. Yeah, so the last thing that I have in my notes about this section is 
um, is about the cash and how Sophie and Adeline here, they, um, they hide the cash in the void. Yeah, to, um, to protect it. And that's, that's a new skill that, like, conjurers can do that we didn't really see before, and I think that's cool. <laughs> it makes sense, because, like, telepaths have multiple abilities. They can transmit, they can read minds, they can put memories onto paper. It would be extremely understanding, like, with how empaths can tell if someone's lying, that there's, like, sub-abilities that come with your ability. Yeah, so, like... Yeah, so, like, with Conjuring, I guess, there's... It's kind of an umbrella for, like, a bunch of things related to... I'm not sure what, like, the... Yeah, to the Void in general. Does food go stale in there? Because she just, like, whips out food every now and then. I'm like, does that, like... Is it refrigerated? (laughs) Yeah, that's a good question. I... I don't know, I assumed she... When she whipped out food, she, like, conjured it from the kitchen... But if food doesn't go stale in there, like, if, then that seems like a really good, like, s- just storage space. Like, if you're a conjurer, just, like, make a hundred custard bursts. <laughs> yeah. And then just, like, store them there until you need it. Do we have any apples left? Hmm, let me check. Like, they have a whole grocery store. <laughs> oh, that wouldn't be... Because, like, I feel like, with, like, normal foods and, like, fresh foods, because they eat a lot of, like plant-based and fruits and stuff like that does it like have a refrigerator i okay well i guess you could you could put a refrigerator into the void and then put the food in that refrigerator <laughs> can you imagine Adeline just like kicking a refrigerator into the void <laughs> oh that'd be so funny <laughs> Grady coming down from like a hard day what are you doing while oh, she's pushing the refrigerator yeah, I wonder, like, what, what can you hide in there? Like, could you could you push a building into there? Like, what is the extent of what the void can hold? <laughs> you just, like, throw a whole skyscraper. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't know. It seems like if you can put buildings in there and stuff, it seems like it, you could, it could possibly be, like, a way to hide not just, like, objects but also people. Maybe, like the size of what and the size and amount of what you can put in there depends on your ability like the better you are the more you can do is it does it ever say if Edeline is like a particularly good conjurer hmm I don't I don't know because we have like the backers who are like considered to be amazing at all they do obviously they're not the only family and with Gretty's and their level of like popularity it would probably be safe to assume since their society is based on status because of their abilities, that they would be particularly good. Well, when Adeline and Sophie are doing the cash, she brings up 221B Baker Street. Oh, and I like yeah. How, that was how did I forget about that? Yeah. <laughs> a little homage to, like, her... Sophie's continuation of loving her parents and her family. Yeah, and, like, just the human world and remembering her time there. Well, she also brings up, that's why I kept bringing up, like, the Simba reference. She brings up a lion when she's holding, when Keith's holding right. up the dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> I like that little homage, though. Yeah, I hope there's more of that in the series. Like, when she sees her sister again, I like that. Yeah, and when they have, like, all those little 
pop culture references just scattered throughout. I just really liked that, though. Just in the fact that, like, it is not something that a elf would understand. So, it was it was a really good homage to her being, like, my human... The time in my when I was in the human world is a skill. It's not actually a... It's not putting me in a disposition. So, let's move on to sharing social media. So, I... Uh, shared our handles at the beginning of the episode when we did listener correspondence, but you can find me also at Malamelting on Tumblr and Instagram. You can find me on Instagram as Boyer underscore Tegan. And this has been KeeperCast. See you next week.